Welcome to the Force Multiplier for Law Enforcement podcast with your host, Lorenzo Valdivia. This is a place where we discuss different factors that give law enforcement officers the ability to accomplish greater feats and tasks than they would without it. We will have unfiltered, candid conversations with those who have knowledge, know-how, and bring what they feel are these different types of variables to help keep our law enforcement on their top game. Enjoy today's show. Welcome to Force Multiplier. This week, I'm very excited to have a good friend of mine, Teddy Johnson. Teddy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, brother. Appreciate being here. Hey, Teddy, if you don't mind, would you go ahead and take a few moments and kind of introduce yourself to the listeners and uh, let them know who you are and, and what you're about, man? Awesome. Um, Teddy Johnson. I'm currently active duty Marine, and I'm stationed uh, here in North Carolina. 14-year active duty, prior military policeman, currently serving as a career counselor for the Marines, and as of next week, uh, a gunnery sergeant. And so pretty excited about that. I'm also a owner, head coach, and uh, instructor at my own jiu-jitsu gym called Twisted Cracking. We're Eastern North Carolina's only certified uh, Gracie University training center where we teach the Kids Bullyproof Program. We also teach the uh, the adult beginners program called Crazy Combatives. And our advanced jiu-jitsu program is called Master Cycle. I also assist in uh, like uh, Gracie Survival Tactics classes, and uh, we do women's self-defense seminars as well. Dude, man, that's exciting. So we got to meet, now, gosh, when was it, back 2007, 2008? 2007. <laughs> Young Marines going through the MP school here in Fort Leonard Wood. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, that's kind of where my passion and my drive kind of took off for uh, getting into this defensive tactics. Like, you know, I always tell everybody, uh, I don't know if you remember Wally Bunt w- was training us back then, but he was a, I know where he's been. He, w- he was a, a big drive into that. And, you know, how was your, your, your career as a military police officer? Were you able to visit some garrison side while you were there? Yeah, so I spent most of my first contract at a uh, Provost Marshal's office. I started out doing two and a half years at Camp Lejeune and then finished up my first contract over in Iwakuni before I became a career counselor. So about awesome. five, five total years experience there. Yeah, and we're saying Provost Marshal. We're, we're talking about police department, you know, responding to calls, interacting with the public in law enforcement capacity, enforcing, you know, those various laws of both federal and, and state, depending on uh, where we're at. So what was your law enforcement time like? You know, there. Oh, well, that's so. I came to June. I, you know, was a basic road MP and a field, an FTO. Moved in the training department and then focused more on the actual training side of police officers. That's also where, like, I became certified in the Marine Corps Martial Arts program as an instructor. And so that started back in 2008. And so that would be like the interaction I had a lot with other police officers. If I was not on the road or FTOing, I would be doing enhanced com- combative training, like through the Marine um, Martial Arts program or the limited defense defensive tactics program that most of our law enforcement agencies have on Marine Corps bases. Yeah. And, and what was you guys, were you guys required to do like annual training or stuff like that? Or were you guys kind of seeing, you know, kind of like it is, you know, the defensive tactics side, right? That law enforcement side where, you know, training's not really there and, and you fit it in where you No, can. it's really not. I mean, you, as the, you know, the, as the training officer, you, I get each platoon for four hours a month and I have to, I had to prioritize 
what training would that be? Would that be going to the pistol range? Would that be, you know, an hour of defensive tactics? Was that, you know, some of the Marine Corps requirements training of physical fitness, like a physical fitness test or a combat fitness test. And so it was a priority of, you know, between what we would call green side training or Marine Corps training and blue side mm-hmm. training or police officer training. And you'd only get one that platoon for four hours. And then, you know, if there was days, it would be the morning. If it was the night shift, I would get them after, after our lunch till, about 4 p.m. And, you know, the reality is that uh, I would only see them again two weeks later and then it would be another level of training. There was never where an opportunity where you could recycle and relearn some of the things that you covered the two weeks prior because you just never knew it was going to pop up. And then if there was major events and that's what happened to be on that, that day, training became no priority at all. That event on base became a priority. You know, 4th yeah. of July fell on a Tuesday. That fireworks show was more important. So everyone was on hands on deck shooting those fireworks rather than doing defensive tactics. Yeah. And, and, you know, and that kind of leads, you know, to, to some of the conversations we had, you know, officers are undertrained and especially, you know, when it comes to defensive tactics, because just like you said, you know, something else pops up and, you know, we start pushing the training side away, man, that, that has a, a big hurting on, on our law enforcement. And, you know, I, I like to say that, you know, in turn hurts our interactions with the general public when we get into these altercations. Oh, I, com- I completely agree. I, you know, one thing I ask of my jiu jitsu students in general, if they're utilizing jiu jitsu for self defense, that's their goal. And a lot of my students, regardless of the, their occupation, that is the goal. And so I ask them, what is the intent of you being here? What is a win? And every, you know, almost every single person says survive. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just want to be able to fit myself and survive and go home. And so for our law enforcement, what, why is there any less of an expectation? And to them being on a trained, you know, survive, that's why there's such a quick escalation. In a lot of places I believe is because of that is because there's not a comfortability factor on what they can do from the time they have verbal interaction to the to deadly force like, and that comfortability in between each one of those levels is hours of training, not a day a year. Yeah. And, and you know, what you said there is, you know, with it, an officer doesn't know what he doesn't know. Right. So, yeah. And I will never say, you know, what the officer did in the situation was wrong because the officer did what they knew at, at that moment. Right. But, you know, we see where officers are in situations and they resort to a deadly force option faster because they don't know what to do in between A and B. And, you know, a lot of that, in my opinion, relates directly to training. You know, we see officers out there that are well-trained that, you know, they're not going to the deadly forces sometimes. And, you know, we're seeing use of force allegations in those departments that have great training. You know, they're on this this down down uh, downhill of, you know, not having that. What, what do you see in that type of stuff? I know you're connected into that community where, you know, you guys see that kind of stuff and hear about it. Well, I mean, I have a handful of police officers at my academy right now, and it's really interesting hearing the interaction I have now compared to the, some of the interactions when I was in the area as law enforcement 13, 14 years ago. And so that interaction really is how much training are they getting? And I'll give you an example of a local county. He's getting one hour a year of training. And then because he's training in my academy, he has to sign a waiver stating that anything that I teach him, if he uses it and causes injury, that they can't be held liable. He's assuming all the risk. That is crazy that, you know, a police officer out here wanting to make himself better, wanting to educate himself and 
that in turn, you know, saves the life and, and of himself and potentially the, the people that he's going to interact with that are, you know, that person that he might get an altercation with, you know, to give him the ability to control that subject or an effect and arrest with, you know, as little injury as possible. And you got a department here saying, Hey, we, that cool going out there, but you know, that's on you. I mean, that's just, it's mind blowing, man. It is. Uh, you know, and I think honestly, that's probably like a misconception on their part because you get a lot of feedback in the community, just from police officers that what they see in jujitsu on YouTube nowadays is not what is being preached by uh, pro law enforcement as in like Henner, you know, who's literally gone out on YouTube with an hour long video saying state laws in certain states are wrong because you can't get into the mount position or a neon stomach position anymore. And so you have these strong verbal accusations and then you see, well, let's see what you start. Let's see what Henner Gracie is talking about. And then people go to YouTube and go to jujitsu and they see Baron Bolo rolls and the pelt strokes. And they're like, well, this won't work. And they don't really understand the difference between a street applicable level kind of jujitsu that's being trained in some organizations. And then some of the sport jujitsu that is fun and competitive and allows people to utilize their physical capabilities to achieve lifelong goals, uh, completely different mindsets. And like you said before, officers don't know what they don't know. And part of that is what is exposed to them on social media. Yeah. Man. And you know, I also think, you know, some of that relates to, you know, what they see on TV of this stuff. You know, some people who don't know anything, you know, they go and, you know, they're like, oh, jujitsu, UFC, like these guys are just in there just to beat each other. And, and that's not even, that's not even what it is about. You know, you know, we were talking earlier this week, you know, I had the the privilege of, of going through the uh, Gracie Survival Tactics Level 1 course with Evandro Nunez. And the things that we learned this week on controlling and just slowing down once we have that control of the subject, you know, this doesn't have to be this crazy fight. And, you know, police officers are affecting arrest and, and saving themselves and conservation of energy and being smarter about the things they do through this training. So, you know, it, it's doing what the, these people don't see, right? You know, and how do we get those departments to that place, right? We, we got this older mindset of, well, you know, this is the way we used to do it. And I had this conversation with somebody the other day of, you know, hey, man, that stuff worked great in the 70s, you know, early, very few, you know, early 90s when MMA wasn't around, jiu-jitsu wasn't around, right? But now, I mean, everybody watches UFC, right? Everybody, you know, has, has been exposed to it, you know, that you have your followers that, you know, I mean, there's a UFC fight on every Saturday. Uh, you can, you know, jump online and see a fight and, People are learning these techniques. You know, there's more people out on the streets now that are trained, and I say that with air quotes, um, <laughs> that um, know stuff that these officers are encountering every single day. Right. Well, uh, you know, so you're talking about a level of a threat, you know, train people on the streets and everything else. The other thing is I, when we're talking about this training and I have this conversation, I have a North Carolina Bureau investigator police officer that's currently uh, one of my students. She's, you know, very petite, five, four, maybe 110 pounds. And she serves narc warrants. And my, she's one of the people on the doorstep 
of serving warrants to, you know, high level criminals. I, I just found, first off, I, I found that amazing. That's something that she would volunteer to go do. And she's been doing it for many years. And, you know, the first thing that came out of her mouth is, is that even I get to the ground, my weight, some of these men military pressed me over their, their head, and, you know, the, with the equivalent of my body weight. So, you know, how do I control? Yeah. How do I improve those positions? And what I liked most about her mindset was, is that it was about how do I get them into the car safely so I can hold them accountable later? Yeah. You know, you know, if you, you want police department ends, it's about the end result. And the end result is the less altercations we have that shine a negative light on police departments, the more light is going to shine on the people that they're trying to, if they are arrested appropriately and the court systems are doing uh, the right by the, by the individual and by the community. When we have these kind of incidences, all we're doing is shining the light to one problem that definitely and desperately needs to be fixed and shining away from how did we get into this position altogether in the first place? Why did that police officer have to respond? Why was there an altercation before we the, he, he or she ever got there? You know, who is the victim when that police officer arrived? You know, We're losing focus on those people that we're supposed to be helping as a public because of a lack of training to these departments. You know, a guy named, named uh, Gary V, uh, he's a business guy and an entrepreneur, and he said it best. When you're focused on dimes, you lose dollars. And I, I kind of, I, that's what I feel about with the police departments. We're focusing on just one part and we're losing the, the profit. Yeah, man. Couldn't agree with you more. You know, so I guess the question becomes, how do we get to that point, right? How do we get these officers there? How do we get these other individuals, these departments out there in training, right? I mean, you said, you know, you got some people there training. You have a few LEOs out there training and, and you know, man, I think that's, Awesome. You, you, we said earlier, you know, you got to help with some GST courses that were put on. And, uh, you know, man, I learned some great things there. The teaching methodology just blew my mind. I absolutely loved it. I was like, man, I wish I, I could have learned this stuff years ago because, you know, to me, this is going to make me an effect, uh, a better, more effective teacher um, at the police academy that I teach at, you know, at, at the police department that I work with and in the other LEOs I get to train with. So, you know, I would even credit it back to you know, finding a, a good, effective teacher that, that can understand what you do and help you adapt your training to that. And part of that is just having sharing people's success stories, right? There's one of my students that's a LEO on a regular basis. He asks the right questions and it gives me opportunities to teach. And what I mean by that is that he, when we're doing techniques, he'll come to me while, while we're drilling and say, coach, how do I do this with a weapon? You know, mount controls. If I have a pistol on my hip, you know, how can I switch my neck hug? Because mm -hmm. my, now my weapon is going to be exposed. Yeah. Yeah. And then so even as a white belt, we, I'm, I'm adapting some of his techniques so that he can learn what to do to have pistol retention or to, you know, humanely and visually apprehend a person where he, he's not putting himself physically at risk or his career at risk. And I think that's a big part of it and sharing those success stories, you know, make that trending on social media. I think we'll, we'll go a long way, you know, but I, you, you served in as well, brother, and you know, this, you know, the best CEOs in the world, make it where everything looks easy yeah. and we never share easy. Right. Right. And yeah. uh, you know, that's the problem. Like as soon as you're going to go back and teach this, you know, GSC level one, and it's going to go great and everything's going to go smooth. 
and everyone thinks that's how it's supposed to be. And so no one's going to share that. It's when the, the bad stuff happens that they're, they're going to share, you know, why? And then they'll be like, why don't you like Lorenzo? You know, that, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And, and instead of everyone else is the normal and you're special. No, you're going to become the normal and the bad is the special. And they're going to focus on the bad. Yeah, man. And, you know, going back to what you said about, you know, sharing stories, you know, I got some future podcasts coming up, some officers that got into some bad spots before training. And, uh, you know, they're going to come on and share their stories about, you know, how, you know, through those, they, you know, I don't kind of a kick in the side to them and they got into training and found themselves in more altercations, right? In law enforcement, we're, all, we're always going to get some type of hand-to-hand conflict with a, a subject that just doesn't want to go to jail, right? They're not ready to accept that it. it's time to go. And, you know, there's going to take a little bit of convincing and these officers are, have, through their training, been put back in, in similar situations, and the result was different because of that. And, you know, I can't wait. I got some officers out of Texas that are coming in, some male and female officers, right? So we're going to be able to hear from both sides. I'm going to be talking to some officers that have been training their whole life, and some that, you know, they didn't start training until two, three years ago. And, you know, uh, a few years after their training, you know, it changed. In my episode zero, I don't know if you heard the story about Kristen Richmond. Uh, West Virginia police officer. She found herself in, in this crazy fight with this 190 pound collegiate athlete that was gooned up on some drugs and her radio quit working. And, you know, she was alone at 3 a.m. Backup couldn't find her. And for five minutes, she was in there fighting for her life. Her canine dog was biting the uh, subject. She, I mean, she was punching him and striking him. And uh, she relates it all back to her jujitsu experience. She was, uh, at that time, she was, I don't want to say just, but she was a three-stripe white belt in jujitsu. And she uh, had some training on Krav Maga, but, you know, you know, she says, you know, had I not been through that training, you know, I might not be here in the same way to tell this story. Or, you know, she said, I was getting ready to use deadly force on them, but I didn't have to because of that training. And man, if we can just get officers out there like that with that mentality training, man, it would be awesome. And the, the funny thing is, if you go to a lot of police departments, what they're going to tell you is, well, then something else has to give. Yeah. You know, so what are they giving up? You, you know, that that's this. I've invited police departments out to do law enforcement seminars. The One of the higher ranking people here in the local county in the Department of Corrections is a, is a uh, retired MP. And I, I served with him at Camp Lejeune. Amazing guy. And, uh, you know, I invited him and his entire staff out to come out do do training. And of the entire staff, I had three show up. And, you know, it was a great time. And I had some other agencies invite or allowed the, some to show up and had a, a decent, you know, turnout to the group, you know, but, you know, I reached back out to him and he's like, well, something popped up, you know, and, and so something's got to give when you want to do training. And so wh- what is that and how does it come along the way and where does this sit in the priority in, in those departments? Yeah. Uh, and the sad thing is a lot of his money, you know, yeah. and that's what I, that's what I love about the GST program. And um, the fact, you know, some a department paid for your training now, however, you know, that's cents on the dollar compared to what you're going to give back over the next three to five years, just on the training alone. You know, I get phone calls like, Hey, can you do you do GST classes in your Academy every week? And I'm like, no, I was like, but if you want me to teach, I'll come to your, I'll work for you. Like I'll come and I'll, I'll teach, I'll go to your, I'll work for your department. And then I'll just, I'll teach GST every day to different platoons. Yeah, man. You know, Oh, we can't afford that. Okay. Well, you know, we got to figure out something, you know? And so I'm all 
all about the training part. I think it's great. And it's just really about the balance and really selling uh, the priority that it needs to be higher up compared to, you know, another level of training. Yeah, man. You know, something I told, I was talking with a, a department that a contact contacted me a few days ago. They want me to go out and, and train their department because they see the priority. They see what's going on out there. Right. Uh, and I'm excited about this because I've reached out to this, a couple departments in the past and they're like, ah, you know, like you know, what you were talking about, you know, we, we don't have time for that. There, there's other things, you know, they've seen that, Hey man, if I invest a little bit, it's going to pay dividends in the end. You know, I, I'm making a, a small investment now, but Man, where this is going to take my department and take my officers and the interaction with the community, you know, this is an investment that is is a positive one for my department, right? So, and, and you know, you put it out there, you know, it, I, it, if the the public and and those that have the the interactions with us knew that police officers were trained, can you imagine the mindset that would tra- change against those who are trying to attack police officers if they know, man? There's officers out here that are trained. Like these guys know some right. stuff. You know, maybe I shouldn't, right? It, it just change that mindset, change that that culture of you know, well, cops don't know anything. So you know, as long as I can keep them away from their belt, then you know we're good, man. So let me ask you this, man. Let's let's jump over to this. And what would you say to those departments that are out there, those police officers especially that are on the edge about getting out to training, or they're just like, you know what? I got this duty belt. I don't need this stuff, man. What would you say to them if you had some time with them to try and and talk them into coming and training or give them encouragement to get out there and train? Well, to actually like the the department heads and the training departments and stuff and things along those lines, 30 minutes a week. If you gave a, you know, a GSC level one person or another organization, doesn't matter. But if you actually had a structured curriculum and you said, you told every officer instead of 30 minutes in the weight room, right? Cut 30 minutes of the weight room out a week and give me 30 minutes on the map just so we can work on weapon retention and controls, which is still working out. Right. <laughs> right. Just a different kind. Right. And so give me 30 minutes. It's 26 hours a year. That is literally in one year. That is literally a career's worth right now of requirement in the state of North Carolina. That is crazy. If you just give me 30 minutes a week and there's additional benefits to that. Right. So you just spent how many people were at your training center during your training this week? Oh, man, I think we had about 64 here. Tell me what, like just the interaction and meeting yeah. people. And sharing stories and experiences was was that not an amazing experience? Man, I mean, just the the connections that we were, you know, we're going to carry on from here to to be able to, yeah, man, it, it was awesome. Now imagine, like, so I have an academy, and I say, all right, every Tuesday afternoon and every Saturday, I'm going to do a 30 minute block, and these following agencies can send as many people as they like. Like, what kind of interaction for 30 minutes of that feedback would they get of camaraderie, brotherhood, you know, that we talk about within police departments and sharing with one another experiences as well as working on training. You could have, like, your GST week. You could have that experience in an academy, you know, two different days a week, 30-minute blocks, you know, an afternoon, maybe a morning. So that way you can support different departments and shifts and be really effective. That's been a goal of mine here. Cause I think what you experience can be replicated weekly. Yeah. Uh, and that's so that's awesome. the mind them. And then just to the average student, that's a police officer or corrections officer or any LA, any LEO for that matter. You, you need my, my counsel to them would be to ask the right questions. 
which is, you know, what kind of programs do they offer? How does it, you know, what kind of uniform are they going to be wearing? What kind of techniques will they be learning as a brand new uh, belt? Why? Because what you learn first is what you're going to remember. And, and so if they have a strong, good beginner's program that's going to allow them to have skills that they can utilize in the street, those are the techniques that are going to gain the most muscle memory. And when things go crazy and you need to slow it down, those, those that muscle memory is what's going to kick in. And if it's more street sentiments rather than sport, it's going to be far more effective for that police officer. Yeah, that's awesome. So you're doing great things out there in North Carolina. There's officers that are, are going to be listening to this out there. So again, if you don't mind, tell us where you're at and give us some information. If, uh, somebody's in that area or close to you wants to get a hold of you or you know maybe they listen to this and they're like hey man i want to find out some more info from this guy talk a little bit about what you're doing out there and let's get some contact info uh, available for these guys i appreciate it well so twisted cracking jujitsu we're in jacksonville north carolina we're literally around highway 17 five minutes away from the new river air station 10 minutes away from Kemble June main gate. I run 20 classes a week between our Gracie Bullyproof program and our adult programs. And we have about, right, I have 12, I have a 2,000 square foot space, 1,200 square feet of mat space. You can find me at, at on Instagram at Twisted Kraken JJ, on Facebook at Twisted Kraken Jacksonville, and then, or our website, which is uh, twistedkrakenjujitsu.com. And that's Kraken with a K, correct? Correct. Yeah, it makes a big difference right there. Well, Teddy, I really appreciate you coming on and talking. Appreciate the the, the friendship uh, over the years. Appreciate what you're doing out there for for the general public and especially for you know the LEO community. You know, as a police officer, I can't thank you enough for what you're doing and you know the pushes that you give me in my training. You know, I really thank you. Uh, to our listeners out there, I encourage you to get out there and train. Get out there and look for something. Find some way. Um, to make yourself better, uh, to be better for yourself, be better for your family, be better for your friends, and be better for the community that you interact with. That's it for this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to subscribe and share with a friend so you never miss an episode of Force Multiplier for law enforcement. Another way that can help us grow and reach more listeners and agencies is by leaving us a review. They are read and the feedback is taken on how to make this podcast even better to reach our community and different law enforcement agencies. 